And so for me, you know, seeing the potential of these great Catholic boys being robbed from certainly not all the priests, obviously not, um, just broke my heart. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the John Henry Weston Show. You know, a lot of you know Faith and Reason very well. And on Faith and Reason, we have Liz Yor, Father Altman, sometimes Jack Maxey, whenever he chooses to join us. But how many of you know Liz Yor very well? I don't know. I think everybody knows she's a child's rights lawyer and she's been involved with many, many things. And she's an awesome spokesman for faith, defender of life, faith, family, and freedom, particularly children and just deplores abortion for what it is and is a great pro-life leader as well. But I wanted you to get to know Liz Yor a little bit more in depth from her homeland where she spends a lot of time working to rectify what's going on right behind us. So why don't we start there and uh, we'll have you stay tuned for this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Liz Yor, welcome to the program. Oh, it's great to be here, especially in front of the White House. (laughs) Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, our producer, Jim Hale, will not let me get away with asking you, not asking you first, about who do you think is going to be in there in 2024? Oh my goodness. Um, one never knows. Life is changing as quickly as possible. You know, my audience at Faith and Reason probably doesn't know that I was weaned on politics in the big uh, shoulder city of Chicago, or as we now call it, the belly of the beast, only to be um, seconded by uh Washington, D.C., but I always feel at home here in Washington because politics is in my blood. And one of the things that um, I think is so important are the issues that we we talk about in Faith and Reason really intersect with um, politics. You know, we talk about abortion, we talk about um, all the politicians, you know, the Catholic politicians. And so, you know, as, as someone who loves politics and loves the church, um, to be right in front of the White House today, you talking about issues that we care deeply about is my idea of heaven. (laughs) And it is sort of heaven we want to talk about as well, because one of the things that I want to give you at the John Henry Weston Show, I really am blessed. I get to introduce you to the most amazing people, Uh, people that are so stunning, that have helped my faith life. And this is one right here. Uh, Liz Yor has been an incredible example for me, an example of courage But I want to find out with you more about her background. Where did Liz Yor, the great Catholic activist, come from and how did she get there? 
Well, I'm the, I guess start with the, from the beginning, I'm the oldest of six children, um, and my father's a lawyer, so as the oldest of six, I guess, you know, it's natural that I become a child advocate. I've been hurting children ever since I was, you know, five years old, um, and so um, it was a natural for me to get involved not only in the law but also in child advocacy. And it's been a great experience. Um, I've worked in missing children. I've worked in child welfare, um, in children who um, are part of the welfare system. Um, I've worked in media. Um, I worked for Oprah Winfrey for six years. and. Um, and done a lot of international child abduction and child exploitation work. So it's, um, I never in a million years thought that, you know, at the end of my career, I would be so involved in church work um, because obviously my faith and St. Michael, my two, I always say my two investigative reporters, my researchers, my detectives are St. Michael and St. Anthony. They help me find children. Um, and so here I am, you know, talking about many of the same issues, but vis-a-vis -vis, um, the church. And what's, what's really important to me is that, and I've also been involved in many, many clergy abuse scandals, and as heinous as that is, and really to your audience, John Henry, I think it's important for people to know, um, many people have walked away, as we know, from the church because of the scandal. And what I learned talking to victims of clergy abuse was not what I expected to learn. I realized that we need to look at the church as if it was our family. We need to protect the church, look out for the church, um, as if, you know, it's our children. And so for those of us that may have fallen away from the faith um, and then came back to the faith, um, we need to absolutely be vigilant about the church. And so, you know, praise God, that's what we're doing at Faith and Reason, really bringing, you know, my perspective as a child advocate, as an attorney, as somebody who has really seen, you know, the belly of the beast of the church, um, in trying to encourage everybody um, to uh, learn about the faith. You know, and you can read and talk about the saints and learn about the saints and read all the encyclicals and go to Bible study and you will never, ever um, get to the depth of the beauty of the faith. So um, for those that are away from the church um, and having understood, you know, how heinous the clergy abuse scandal is, I really, we need you back in the church. Um, fallen men, evil men who um, destroyed lives um, of these beautiful little boys um, and there's nothing worse. However, um, to give up on the church and to give up on the magnificent faith that's really been a legacy for us. And, you know, I, I was ha lucky to know both my grandparents. They were both, on both sides, devout Catholics. We had nuns on one side, many, many priests um, on the other side. Um, I remember the family rosary, daily mass. And so, um, I, I was given a gift that I really, um, I can't just throw away um, and I want to pass it on to my children and to my grandchildren. So um, for that reason, it's been a gift from God being on Faith and Reason to work with you, I'm Jack Maxey and Father Altman. We have a lot of fun. We do indeed. One, one of the things that people see you as a very courageous woman as one willing to step out you've described your work with 
the most horrible things, the, the, the abuse scandals, things that would normally totally turn people off the faith. But your faith is solid as a rock. In fact, it seems to get stronger as the times get worse. What is that? How did you get there? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I did have a crisis of faith when I was working um, as general counsel of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, met 50 to 100 victims um, of clergy abuse. All were men, all in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, hearing these horrible stories. Um, and I was just about ready to say, that's it. You know, how could, how could a loving God allow this to happen? And what I realized after venting to the Lord in prayer, I realized if we don't step up and be involved to cleanse and purify our church in whatever way, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through the sacraments, rosary, whether it's through advocacy, um, whether it's keeping eyes on the altar and, making, and speaking out, um, then the church won't thrive. And so as much as it's very easy to say, ah, you know, and it is easy. You can say there's plenty of reason to walk away. Um, what happened to me is I doubled down on my faith and on getting involved. And, um, and interestingly, I, um, as a result of that, decided I was going to be involved in the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences and attend their human trafficking conference. Human trafficking is issue that I've been involved in. Um, we've had some success. I know how difficult it is to save kids, rescue kids. Um, and so when Francis in 2013 became Pope and started talking about human trafficking, I thought, oh, he's talking about an issue I care deeply about. This is the church getting involved um, in human trafficking to end it, this horrible scourge. So, you know, Francis always says, God of surprises. Well, I did, you know, I did go to the Vatican in November of 2013. I met the Pope. I was in his presence for 20 minutes. Um, I attended the conference. And what happened was, um, as I've told many times, my soul was rattled. I went there and heard about climate change. I didn't hear about human trafficking. I went there and I was surrounded by radical leftists from the UN and from radical NGOs. In fact, I had a friend at the conference who's an American friend and it was there was only 80 people there from around the world by invitation only and he turned to me at one point in the conference and said, "Are we the only pro-lifers here, Liz?" Well, that sums up the conference and um, so I was shaken, but I, again, I thought, well, maybe it's me, you know, maybe I can't trust my instincts, mm -hmm. but what happened on the plane back, and I remember distinctly on the plane back to Chicago from Rome, I said, I'm going to watch this papacy. I'm going to study what's going on. Every paper, every conference, every document, everything, every speech, I'm going to scour. No, I've never, you know, I've been too busy practicing law to really, you know, scrutinize what's coming out of the Vatican. But that was kind of my promise to God after, you know, after the horrible clergy abuse scandal is to be um, vigilant. And, to, and as a result, I started down this course of, you know, criticizing, commenting, um, really trying to be an activist with respect to what's going on um, in this papacy. Um, I've learned a tremendous amount. 
Um, I've also learned about some great popes and read some things that I've never read before um, and learned about all sorts of Freemasonry and all sorts of historical things in the church. Um, I've become a student of my faith for the first time. Um, and um, to think that I might have walked away because of the clergy was just, you know, and, and because I'm kind of free to speak the way I want to speak freely, um, and thanks to LifeSite News, of course, um, I can call it as I see them. And I, I want to awaken the faithful um, to what's going on in this global reset. And what I view as the um, really pivotal role that's being played by the Vatican in the global reset, which is, in many respects, they're providing the moral voice of the new world order. And to me, that's shocking. Um, and um, I, I just, I can't remain silent. And um, so as a result, that's, you know, it's, it's just a, a strange and curious uh, path I've, I've traveled. Um, you know, I still am waiting for them to do something about human trafficking, and they haven't. Um, so uh, that's kind of, you know, my involvement in how we met and um, how, uh, you know, being um, a child advocate lawyer, which I thought I would be till you know, I'm six feet under, I still am, but now I'm uh, fighting for the church. So one of the things about you, Liz, is that you, despite all the, I want to say H-E, double hockey sticks, as father would put it, um, you remain faithful. You also, for all of your learning and your prowess in the legal field and everything else, are very humble. And I think that touches a lot of people. I wanted to ask if you could share it about your prayer life, because that does not come normal. That doesn't, that's not just handed to you. It's, that's hard fought and hard won. Would you mind telling us about your prayer life? Sure. Um, I, I, I can always pray more, let me just say that in the outset. Um, but... Um, daily Mass. I have an amazing prayer group that I'm part of um, in, in my parish of women and a few men um, that are just prayer warriors. Um, you know, we, my husband and I say the morning, the rosary every morning, get a cup of coffee and light some candles. It's just the perfect way to begin your day. And we, you know, those that we know who are sick or struggling, we mention in our rosary and then we're off to mass. Um, we also say a second rosary. And I have to thank um, Jim Caviezel for that because he talked, he talked at some conference that I went to about the importance of saying as many rosaries as you can. And that he's, I think he said that he spoke, um, prayed uh, two rosaries. So we say a rosary um, at night. I also say a rosary with my prayer group at daily mass. So um, I get, you know, normally get three in um, and, um, you know, I have a, devo a devotion to a lot of saints, um, devotion to the holy face. Um, which um, is growing leaps and bounds. Thank you, John Henry, for making that happen. Um, you know, these are all things that I didn't know about growing up, even though we had to, I was educated for, uh, uh, let me see, 18 years in Catholic schools, you know, including law school and college. So um, I didn't know about the Holy Face. I didn't know about Divine Mercy. Um, I've really dug into, you know, 
the saints. Um, my dad's name is Thomas Aquinas, so I haven't, maybe, I'm, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, not humble, but I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've tackled Thomas Aquinas. You know, I don't, somebody said, I always have Thomas Aquinas on my nightstand. It'd be the first time I'm going right to sleep with Thomas Aquinas on my nightstand. So, um, you know, so I, you know, there's just, you know, the prayer warriors out there on the internet and, you know, people who have been generously sharing information, um, talking about, you know, orders of nuns that they love and priests. And, you know, it's just, it's begun this community of um, faithful that is just extraordinary. So um, I hope and continue to hope and pray that I will have more and more devotions. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm just amazed at the gift of my faith and that at my age that I continue to learn so much and really frankly knew so little. And um, so anyway, so that's my prayer life. Um, and um, you know, I'm very big on the rosary and the Blessed Mother, of course. I'm just in our house that you, you know, you can see we, we have St. Joseph statues, and, I, oh, and a friend gave me, I, I have no relics, and a friend gave me um, Pius X's relic, which is on my table right next to the Holy Face um, picture. Uh, so, uh, in, and as a result, I read everything that um, Pius X has written. You know, interesting, I'm sure this impacts you too as well. You know, I can read a book, and then three years later, I go back after having the experiences and then I reread the book and I go, I miss that whole, that whole section. It's just, it's through new eyes. And um, as a result of that relic, I was at the time reading um, The Oath on Modernism and um, he's just so brilliant, such a brilliant Pope. Um, and then this friend gave me the relic and I was like, oh my goodness, the coincidence, you know. Um, so um, that's kind of, you know, that's in a nutshell, um, you know, I'm always, I'm always, you know, trying to be a better human being, better Catholic, um, better wife, mother, grandmother. It's one of the things I think, um, I always used to think we go to the saints. Sometimes now I think the saints choose us. Ah. And so, you know, because you got... Yeah. <laughs> well, literally, you know, when I was looking for missing children, which is oftentimes looking for a needle in a haystack, and I would knock on a lot of doors, including the FBI, and many times the FBI would, you know, we don't do that, when in fact they did do that. And more often than not, the law enforcement agent, after knocking on a lot of doors, would be the Catholic. Hmm. Let's say, okay, Liz, let's work this case. I can help you. I got some angles for you. And so, you know, that was, to me, very interesting. I mean, to a case, every time there was a um, holy, devout Catholic who would go the extra mile, who cared. Um, and and I really do believe it was St. Michael who protected me because you're looking for, you know, predators who are hiding children. And it was St. Anthony who um, literally plucked these children out of obscurity, um, who were gone forever. Um, and so um, I was just merely a tool. Um, and so I would really urge people to call on the saints. Um, if you have a favorite or if you're reading about the saints and one just kind of tugs at your heart, um, go with it. Of course, St. Michael has been, you know, St. Michael Novena every day because he, he's just, especially in these times, you know, standing in front of the White House, we this country needs St. Michael and the Blessed Mother. Um, and we have to get on our knees and invoke 
the saints, especially him and especially the Blessed Mother and her son. Um, and, you know, it's what gives me peace. You know, we talk about things in the show, don't we, that are just, <laughs> you know, kind of, it'll shake you to your core. But um, when you have faith, you can just plow ahead, um, know that we're in God's hands, um, knowing that if we get weak need, we just, you know, pray harder, um, double down. Um, and so, really, I would really urge people, um, you know, and I, you know, coming from a big family and having seen everything that's gone on, you know, the darkest, darkest um, parts of the church, um, I've seen the glorious parts of the church. Mm. And it's, you know, evil, the devil has infiltrated certain parts of the church. And what he wants, his goal is for us to walk away. Um, and so, um, no matter how long you've been away from the church, you've got to come back. The beauty, the consolation, the comfort, um, you know, bringing healing to yourself and the family, in the family. You know, it's, um, you know, AA, you know, the, in the AA, they always talk about belief in a higher power, you know, and um, by coming back to the church. And, you know, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to find a parish you like, and but you're going to, God's going to plop you down in a place with people who support you and love you and pray for you. Um, and I think in this time, John Henry, especially now with things being so crazy, it's really important to have a group of people that you trust implicitly, you know? You know, I, I read a lot, you know, my free time about the resistance movement during World War II and the importance of trusting people, um, that they see the world through your eyes. Um, through the eyes of Christ, um, that they be willing, that the, the recommendations, the advice, the prayers are in your best interest. Um, we're we're going to need that, um, and and plus the sharing of information. I mean, with COVID, with the vaccines, with everything that's been happening, um, the fact that we have a network that has got their tentacles out, you know, in the um, cybersphere, looking for information. Um, and, you know, it's really critical. So for me, I think the prayer group, um, my friends at church, uh, knowing that they've got my back, um, that it's it's a real consolation during a time when, it, you know, it's pretty dark. Um, Indeed. Indeed. One of the things you said there was just a tool uh, in the hands of God. That's the most beautiful thing to be that you could ever be. Um, but one of the things you said was, know when God tugs at your heart. I think a lot of people want to know what that is because trying to understand how God speaks to us, he does, but you've got to hear it. In hearing it's difficult because it's not like he knocks on your head and says, hello, John Henry, wake up. It's much more subtle than that. In your own experience, if you can tell us about that. Sure. Um, sometimes it's, it is subtle. Um, and sometimes it's not, you know, I oftentimes say the Blessed Mother will take my head and go, you know, this way, Liz, you know, after a rosary or saying the rosary. And I, I write some articles, we speak, and, and I will have this thought that isn't my thought. I'm like, where did that come from? You know, so it's, it's you know, that's why I encourage people. You know, it can be something as, you know, send flowers to this person or, you know, something that we're talking about on the show. Um, but um, I think, you know, the Blessed Mother, like any mother, you know, gives us good, healthy advice. Um, and for me, sometimes it would just come 
you know, with the phrase, a word, a thought. Um, and with respect to kind of that moment, and, you know, I talk about it a lot, that moment where I was ready to walk after, you know, seeing, and, you know, and, and to those out there, um, this is how, the, you, when I was interviewing victims of clergy abuse who were 50, 60-year-old men, and they would say to me, Liz, I was a seventh grader. I was getting straight A's. I was captain of the basketball team. I was head of the crossing guards. Um, I just, I had a million friends. And then I was abused by father, and I stopped studying. Um, I dropped out of school. I started drinking, using drugs. Um, and then, then it would be, I either, you know, went to prison, um, became mentally ill, uh, you know, the, uh, all the consequences that happened. And so for me, you know, seeing the potential of these great Catholic boys being robbed from, certainly not all the priests, obviously not, um, just broke my heart. Um, and so I really felt self-righteous and I felt you know, you're God. This is I, you know. It was the potential that was lost, and of course, many of them killed themselves, um, which is kind of an untold story about. And, and one guy would say to me, "No, I didn't commit suicide, but Johnny, who was being abused with me, committed suicide." And you know, his mother never knew what happened to him, and um, he said, "I probably should tell his mother what happened to him. That it wasn't something she did." Um, so. So anyway, so in that mode of being very self-righteous, it was, it was like a lightning bolt, you know, that I was, you know, just confident that I had done my utmost to help these people, to try and clean up the church, and um, God had more work for me to do. And it was the last thing I expected. The last thing, I, I just, you know, just the last thing. So I realized, I said, why didn't anybody tell us when we were going, your job is to love the church, be vigilant on the church, protect the church, speak up for the good and the and against the bad. Um, no one ever told us that. And yet that's really what God expects us to do. Just like, you know, the disciples, if you read the Bible, you know, they're correcting one another, they're correcting, you know, heresy, they're, you know, telling each other to pray harder, um, to get rid of that person, that, and, you know, oh well. So it took, it took that, but it was a total surprise. Um, and um, I'm so grateful because, you know, not only personally, you know, to be in, you know, in the bosom of the church, but also, you know, intellectually and spiritually to have learned so much about the faith uh, because of that. Um, and, and I realized, you know, as you don't know anything, you know, and, and so um, it's an ongoing, as you know, it's an ongoing study. You know, you read these books, oh my gosh, the saint, oh, these people who, you know, in Chicago, you know, Mother Cabrini, um, Catherine Drexel. I mean, there are hospitals and orphanages and schools and monasteries that these women built. And they built this, this civilization in America. They're like, what am I doing? I mean, it was just, it's incredible to me to read you know, oh, they started this order and this order, and you know, hundreds of women, and um, you know, so it's uh, it's the standard by which you know we need to judge ourselves, right? If we're to grow the church, um, and no other religion, no uh, faith 
has any has these saints um, and our modern day saints my, you know Padre Pio you know, all um, and I, we have this beautiful national shrine not far from my house of uh, Maximilian Colby mm -hmm. and so I go there it's 24/7 adoration and um, there's a there is um, both a museum of the of uh, Maximilian Colby and also um, you know his cell where he was in and so you just read about uh, you know this is the beauty of the faith it just it you know gives strength um, and you know miracles happen so I mean um, that's you know God of surprises that's about the only thing I agree with Francis about <laughs> um, but um, yeah that's that's how I got you know, to stand in front of the White House with John Henry Weston. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why Liz Yor is with us on Faith and Reason. Liz, thank you so much. Thank you, John Henry. And God bless you. Thank you, and to you as well. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect